1: Back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning.
0: This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat trick.
1: comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry.
2: The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG.
3: Welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. Now, things are getting pretty real in the WBBL Village. We've got a bumper episode
2: before we dive into another
3: hectic few days of games.
2: We chatted with the milestone woman, Molly Strano, earlier in the week. She celebrated her 100th WBBL wicket on the weekend. And Kristen Beams was in great form as usual, looking at the form of all the teams and players.
3: First things first, though, LJ, what was your favourite moment from the weekend?
2: I have to say it was the super over in the Melbourne Derby. These matches always seem to throw up interesting results. Lower-ranked teams beat the one who's going better. And we had a super over, which was brilliant. And for the Renegades, uh, a win that I think was much needed at this point of the tournament. How about you, Em?
3: Um, For me, I think it would have to be the way that cricket came together to celebrate NAIDOC week. It was great to see the players being really proactive in taking a stand against racism as well as celebrating Indigenous culture and also to see uh, two of the Indigenous players Young Guns, Ella Haywood and Hannah Darlington performing so well in front of the big crowds at Sydney Showgrounds. So we had just the eight matches over the weekend, plenty happening in WBBL land. Biggest talking point, probably the Sixers losing their fourth match in a row. So they went down to the Hobart Hurricanes and the Adelaide Strikers over the weekend. They're out of the top four and things aren't looking too good in the Magenta camp, are they, LJ?
2: No, they've got a few problems going on there. Ash Gardner, unfortunately, was subbed out of that match against the Strikers with a concussion. Uh, I think it was precautionary. It looked like a fairly innocuous dive on the boundary, but she does have a quite a poor or terrible record with concussions in the past. So there's no wonder that they'll take no no risks with her. Um, Healy is a bit out of form, a couple of low scores, and Hayley Silverholms has remained on the sidelines with her foot injury. But in one good thing... Uh, Today they named their squad and Lauren Cheadle is back. She hasn't played a match in Magenta since WBBL 04. And
3: more on the injury front, it's not good news for two of our favourite Kiwis. So firstly, Susie Bates, Adelaide Strikers captain. Really sad to hear that she'll be flying home to New Zealand for shoulder surgery. And another one, Sophie Devine. We won't see her in orange this weekend, will we?
2: No, Sophie um, seemed to come up with a lower back injury while she was bowling on Sunday and she's been off for scans I think they're still waiting to find out exactly how bad it is, but we do know she'll miss at least two of their last four matches. On to some better
3: news, though. We're set for an absolute cracker of a finish to WBBL 06. It's going to be a super tight finish with 16 matches remaining. Just one win separates the third to seventh places
2: on the ladder. And there's just two weeks of bubble life remaining for the teams that do advance to the finals. It's going to really test the team's mental fortitude and could play a big role in which teams actually advance to the finals. Big time. All righty,
3: we're lucky enough to be joined here today by Renegades legend Molly Strano, who's been kind enough to join us in the WBBL village. Now, Molly, we've got a few random questions to kick things off. So the first thing we want to know is how many coffees you've been going through per day in the village. Oh, hey, Em, firstly.
4: <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um... <laughs> Coffees, I've been trying to stick to two a day, um, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, I've had three or four, um, PB4, um, but I'm trying to keep, stick to two. All right, that sounds pretty on par with us. Yeah. Yeah. So I reckon you're probably on par with everyone. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Next question, what was your first job? First job, I worked at um, Fergus and Bakehouse in... Um, out west of Melbourne Um, and I used to do the open shift so put the pies in get them nice and warm ready for the tradies at at for their um, lunch which used to be around used to be around nine o'clock but um, yeah I was the pie girl the pie warmer at um, Ferguson Blair Bakehouse for four years actually so it was a great gig.
3: Four years, solid stint. (laughs) Yep.
4: And how did you celebrate your 21st birthday? 21st birthday Prince Alfred Hotel Richmond um uh, it wasn't a massive one, just had a few mates out the back. Um, the worst thing about my birthday is it always clashes with round one of um, the uh, club cricket season, So, um, but that didn't stop me from going large, to be honest. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a very good night, but yeah, I celebrated in Richmond.
2: Excellent. And what is the best holiday you've ever been on? Best holiday? Um,
4: I've been on a few ripping holidays, especially um, end-of-season trips when... You with the girls and everyone's you know ready to have fun and let their hair out but probably my favourite trip was I went to Bali and it wasn't, well Bali is beautiful but the company was also A grade, it was myself, Kristen Beams, Heather Graham, Emily Smith um, and we had a lot of fun um, <laughs> and we had our own private villa and whatnot. so it was a, a recipe for success really and, it, and we had a great time. And what were you like as a school student? <laughs> um, Uh, My report card would say that I was disruptive. Um, (laughs) um, I was somewhat studious, um, but the wheels came off in year 12 once I turned 18 and whatnot. Um, I was a little bit preoccupied with life outside of school, but um, yeah, I was a bit of a rat bag at school, to be honest. So yeah, as I said, probably in one word, disruptive.
3: Sometimes they used to say bubbly, bubbly's on the report Oh date take bubbly, that's like got a nicer undertone, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) disruptive. Disruptive, like. And final random question, why is it that you don't ever come on the mic on Channel 7? Because I'm sure there are plenty of fans that would want to hear your voice.
4: Oh, no, no, no. Um, I've um, had a few discussions about um, on-field mic. And it just petrifies me a little bit because sometimes I can't control what actually comes out of my mouth. Once I cross the white line, I get a bit of white line fever um, and I don't want to miss games from um, doing anything naughty. So I just thought it's probably best for the viewers at home, um, Channel 7 and for everyone in the wider public that I do not get on the mic while I'm playing.
3: (laughs) Fair enough. We can dream one day. <laughs> and onto the Melbourne Renegades. We all love the Melbourne, Melbourne Renegades. Um, are you able to just tell us a little bit about what you love about playing for the Renegades and can you think back to your first couple of weeks with the Gades back in WBBL01?
4: Yeah, um, um, I absolutely love the ga- Gades. It's, um, it's a, I really feel at home when I when I put on the red uniform and it's somewhere where I'm completely comfortable and, and, and I know I can truly be myself, which is a really nice feeling as a cricketer in a team environment. Um yeah, I still remember O one. Um, it was a tough season. We won four games out of fourteen, so it was a really tough start to the campaign and, and the tournament in whole. And then year two, we got a little bit better. We had six wins, and then um, the next two seasons, we were able to um, play and um, contest for some semi in some semifinals. So it's been a really cool evolution. We were a really young team early on, and then. Um, as we matured and, and played a little bit of cricket together and started to learn each other's game and, and form a really solid game plan, we're able to get a little bit more success. So the first few, few years were pretty tough um, from winning the wooden spoon in year one and playing in a couple of semi-finals over the last two years. It's been a, a, an awesome roller coaster journey, but um, super fun nonetheless. We've got some huge personalities in our team, which makes playing and training really fun. And, and I just love it here. As I said earlier on, I, I feel really comfortable and, and it feels like home really putting on the red. So, yeah, I love it.
2: Yeah you guys seem so tight-knit you've had a lot of you have been there from the start what is that culture like? Um,
4: it's it's just fun like I know that sounds pretty cliche but um, as I said we've got some pretty big personalities which brings so much life and energy to the group and we've got some incredible support staff too who also add so much value um, so yeah we're, we're all pretty <laughs> chilled sort of chicks and we, we like to kick back and enjoy we enjoy our cricket but we also enjoy our time off the pitch together too which is which has been really awesome and and it's sort of magnified in this hub environment um we've been able to you know hang out a lot and watch some things and um
2: yeah and just enjoy each other's company which has been really nice Speaking of the support staff, we heard a little rumour that um, the first time you met your current coach, you were doing the worm in the dressing room.
4: <laughs> I was so nervous when I was getting <laughs> going to um, go. Yeah, look, Lockie's he's great. He's, he's so incredible. He's had a huge impact on my cricketing career um, and he's just a real trusted mentor of mine. But, um, yeah, he, he was our coach in, in year, one, um, and year one. And you wanted to had a couple of years off and now he's back again. Um, but I remember our first game. We we're playing against the Hobart Hurricanes. This is our first game ever in Big Bat history, and I could, tense a, I could sense a bit of tension in the room, um, and everyone was really nervous. So I just had—I didn't know what I was doing. I just had this like sort of moment where the music was on in the change rooms pre-game, and I thought I'd just bust out a worm to get a, free, a few like cheap laughs. And then like this new coach that doesn't even know me from a bar of soap is probably just like, "What have I signed up for?" Like these girls are crazy, but that was our. Um, Yeah, probably sort of our first um, touch point. But um, since then, um, as I said, I consider myself really lucky to have Locke in my life as a coach and he's, as I said, a really trusted mentor and I really value his opinion when it comes to um, sort of nitpicking my game and and helping me um, grow and develop as a cricketer. Um, So yeah, um, love Locke and I'm glad that he's back around again.
3: What are some of the things that Lockie's sort of helped you with your game, and what what roles he played in your in your cricket?
4: Um, he's been huge with my bowling. Um, when I first in year one of Big Bash, I was a pretty young and raw twenty two year old who hadn't played much T Twenty cricket, and I sort of found myself opening the bowling and, and bowling in all three phases of the game, and it was quite overwhelming for, as I said, a young sort of raw spinner to ha- play those sort of roles for the team at. At a young age, and he sort of helped me sort of work out my craft and what it looks like. Um, I'm not your average off-spinner. Um, I don't really spin it, um, but Locke was great in telling me to um, embrace some other strengths of my game. Um, I know I don't turn it sideways, but I've got some other attributes that can sort of help me be successful through through all facets of the game. And, and he was one that you know really reiterated that for me and, and made me believe that I could sort of perform at this level when at times I've <laughs> I wasn't sure if I could cut the mustard at this level so he's been really important um, in my development and yeah as I said I'm really thankful for him as well.
3: Yeah awesome is there anyone else that you can think of that's had a like a really massive impact on your cricketer like is there anyone you can single out and say that person's just been amazing for me?
4: Um, Yeah Kristen Beams has been a huge one in in my development Um, I met her when I was uh, even younger and a little bit more raw at um, my club side Essendon Maribyrnong Park when I was 15 and um, ever since I started playing in the Ones I just idolised Beamsy. she was a Victorian player in our team and I just put us on such this pedestal and just sort of watched everything she did and just mimicked everything she did hoping that I could one day have the success that she did at at not only domestic level but Australian level so and she sort of took me under my wing, under her wing sorry, um, ever since day dot and she's been also huge in my in my development as a spin bowler and I've learnt so much from her um, in the craft of bowling spin. I know she bowls leg breaks and I bowl off breaks, but um, I couldn't, um, I can't speak highly enough of Beams in how, you know, generous she's been with her time and her knowledge. Um, And yeah, she's another one that's had a, a huge impact on my career.
2: And is she someone you would still hit up for advice even when she was at the Stars and at your rivals? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I still do, and I, and I did um,
4: while we're playing for opposition teams. Um, I remember we used to have like these really cute um, brunch dates when we both worked at the Australian Cricketers Association, and we used to take our little notepads out and draw, um, you know, <laughs> little circles and set fields for different players and stuff. And that was, yeah, as I said, what she was captaining the stars at that stage, and she still had the time and and the energy to, to, to give to me at work. And, and she used to help me sort of choreograph plans and and field settings and in, impart so much knowledge to me during those phases as well. So yeah, she's been been huge. And as I said, someone that's always been so generous with her time and knowledge.
2: And we've got a, a little bit of a trivia question for you. You're currently the all-time leading wicket taker in the WBBL with 99 wickets. Do you know which batter you've gotten out the most times? Oh, <laughs> No, no, I, I have no idea. No, uh, Beth Mooney five times.
4: <laughs> Moons, Moons, what are you doing, dolls? Going out to me, seriously, bowling little straight breaks. What is she doing? Um, I love Moon. She's one of my very best mates, um, and I've um, that's been a real cool thing about being around the Aussie group of recent times, getting to know some girls from different different franchises and different teams. So Moons is someone that I, I lean on quite heavily up in the Aussie environment and she's one, another one that's sort of taken me under her wing and, and made me feel at home at that level. So shout out to Moons but I'm really disappointed Moons that you've gone out to me that many times. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a <laughs> Poor stat on your behalf. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, she gets a shout out. And Molly, thinking back to WBBL01, you said you were a pretty fresh bowler. Sitting here now on the cusp of a pretty incredible milestone, how do you think you've evolved as a bowler in that time?
4: Um, yeah, geez, it's it's been an absolute rollercoaster. There's been some, some times where the ball feels like it's coming out horribly and there's been some other times where I feel like you're, you're really good and, and you feel like you're going all right with your skill set. But... Um, I think you're just constantly learning and evolving, and, it, and it's been a it's been a tough sort of, um, as I said, five year block as as a spin bowler because the games evolved so rapidly over that five years. Um, you know, everyone from your number one batter down to your number eight and nine can hit sixes now and, and clear the picket, so it's it's become tougher and tougher. And I've I've found that out firsthand this year. I haven't um, performed to the level that I would have hoped I could have for the Renegades. And I feel like I uh, sort of let the team down a little bit in that regard. Um, but it's been, it's just each year it just keeps getting tougher and tougher and you have to be continue to bounce back and, and be more resilient. But um, yeah, it's such an awesome um, awesome competition to be involved in and, and I love it. And it's so much fun every year to, to roll out and, and put the, red, the Renegades red on and, and compete against some of the best players in the world. And it's just a product that just keeps getting stronger and stronger and a, and a product that continually becomes harder and harder as a bowler to sort of perform in and and hold up your end so yeah uh, as I said I just continue to learn and and evolve hopefully evolve um each each installment And, and yeah as I said it's just an awesome tournament to be involved in and I'm loving it
3: talk us through some of the hard work that goes into trying to keep up with these big hitting batters like what sort of work do you put in at training to keep up with them
4: um it's uh, i think it become. it's the planning f- side of things becomes more important um we all know that there's some huge hitters in this competition and it's just trying to work out ways to nullify them and and what you can do to you know reduce their impact so to say um so i think the planning side of things has come along a long way since year one um where you sort of just used to roll out your stock well not yeah. as well, so to say but just r- sort of roll out your stock ball and and just try to to stack up in certain areas now you have to have plan a b and c which um becomes a lot more harder um and yeah i think as i said sort of like the analyzing side of things and and the game planning stuff has come a long way and that's probably the a really important thing now
3: um in the fifth year of of wbbl do you think you've seen like it like with the level of support staff rising do you think that's become easier for the bowlers to sort of keep up with the batters like that
4: yeah and we've got some hugely knowledgeable staff in the in the team as in all teams as well that can um help us as players to you know formulate plans and and ways to nullify the batters and we're so lucky that on the on the database that we all have access to as players we can see footage from all games over the last sort of five to ten years and and try to pick out trends in in modes of dismissal and just to be able to watch batters that we're gonna come up against. We're, we're so lucky to have all of that at the tip of our finger on our computers. So yeah, it's, it's become a, a, it's a big project now coming up against teams and, and, and working out ways to, to best perform and, and what's, what's the, the best to do for yourself and, and for the team. So yeah, it's becoming a, a, a big,
2: a big assignment now. And when you look back over the past five and a half seasons, is there a favorite wicket that stands out in your memory that you've taken?
4: Oh, not really. Um, as I said, I'm not a very glitz and glam sort of spin bowler. Like, I wish I had something like, you know, a bowling to a, a right-hander and it's come through the gate and <laughs> taken out leg like stump. But as I said, I'm... Um, I'm a bit workman class like, so none of my wickets are glamorous, and most of them are caught at cow corner. So that's another stat that you should do, LJ, to work out how many how many catches I've had on the cow corner fence. But um, oh, <laughs> um no, nah, not 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 one sort of stands out. Um, probably just uh, for me, more um, wins and and close wins, and that sort of euphoria in the change rooms. That's the sort of things that I remember. It's not any wicket per se, but more those yeah those really euphoric moments where you've won and had a tight win and, and just that feeling in the change room. That's the, 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 the memories that I take out of um, sort of the first in, couple of instalments of the Big Bash.
2: And what would you say has been your favourite win or the most euphoric win? Um, we've been involved in a few
4: super overs, so they've <laughs> been interesting. Um, so for all the, maybe for all the wrong reasons, but um, mm. One of the toughest losses that we've had as a team where we were all just demoralised was the super over loss um, against the Sixers at Drummond two years ago. Um, that was just a, a magical day for women's cricket, um, having the two tight semi, semi-final games, which were just incredible. But to be on the... Um, it, we just we gave it our all. We, we didn't leave anything in the tank and we just came up short against a really, really good Sixers side. But for all the wrong reasons, I, I remember that one and how much that hurt. Um but we've had some, also some in, in pretty incredible wins where we've been able to belt out the team song in, in the change rooms afterwards. Um, we always enjoy beating the Melbourne Stars. So that's <laughs> over the last, I think last year, we beat them at the junction and we gave the song a good rendition that time. Um, and yeah, um, I just, for some reason, I just, I don't know, I'm really like protective of the Renegades Brand and, and and playing for this team, I feel like the mother hen. I've I've been around since day dot, but I just I just get really excited and I'm really pumped when we're able to come into the change rooms and sing the song and just see the smile on everyone's faces and how everyone's super pumped. But and even our win against the Sydney Thunder the other day, um, that was awesome. Like we had a really tough start to our campaign and and we've lost some of our you know, our favourite Renegades girls who aren't with us, who would love, we would love to be out there and they're not and sort of against the odds we were able to pull off a win against a really, really strong Thunder side and we thoroughly enjoyed that and, and it was just a really nice moment for all the girls to, to be able to come together and, and sing the song. So of recent memory that was a, a, really, a really good win
3: for us. All things considered, how are the Renegades holding up in this WBBL village? Um, yeah, we're holding up really
4: well. Um, as I said, we, we haven't been too lucky um, on the injury front. Um, we're missing um, Leah and, and Wolfie and Mado at the moment, which they not only are they massive um, contributors on the field, they're incredibly important to us off the field as well. So having those three girls down is, is a massive loss for us and, and, and we're all hurting for them, um, especially... Um, Woofy and, and, and especially Mado after hamstring surgery where, um, you know, we've got everything crossed for them that they can all have, they, those two can both have speed re, speedy recoveries and, and be back out in red sooner rather than later. But we're all pretty excited that, you know, Leah's close to coming back and it's really heartwarming to see her bowling at training and, and, and scaring a few batters. So hopefully we see Leah back um, sooner rather than later um, and hopefully very, very soon as in tomorrow. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, as I said, it's, 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 been a, it's been a bit of a roller coaster one for us and a, and a bit heartbreaking at times hearing some of those serious injuries. But um, with that aside, we're, we're having a hell of a lot of fun and, and really enjoying this hub environment. Um, and yeah, as I said, we haven't been too successful thus far on the, on the pitch, but hopefully towards the back end of, ca-
3: of the campaign, we can pinch a couple of wins and, and finish strongly. Definitely. Well, we're also crossing our fingers for you. And change of pace, we can't not speak about that Aussie World Cup campaign. You weren't you weren't initially in the squad, but Taylor Vlemick unfortunately got struck down by an injury. What was it like those couple of days where you found out that you were going to be a shock call-up to the Aussie squad for the T20 World Cup? Um, absolute mayhem. Um,
4: <laughs> I, I, so I think we played on the first game was on a Friday night, um, trained on the Thursday with the girls. That was my first day with the group. And flew up the Wednesday night, so I had one day, um, one day of prep. Um, and even though I was on, I was on standby. You just sort of—I've been on standby a few times for an Aussie tour, and, it, and and nothing normally happens. So like, I definitely had no idea that I was remotely close to to playing or, or thereabouts. And then it's almost mixed emotions when you get that phone call because I obviously know Tay really well. I play play for, with her for, at Victoria, and and she's just the most lovable teammate and and she's just so universally loved so to hear her and that she susta- sustains a, a pretty serious injury and that was and i was an injury replacement it was hugely mixed in how i was feeling um but then i was just a mad rush trying to find all my aussie kit and get everything sorted for a four week tour when all my stuff was scattered all over melbourne i had stuff at mum's oh no. house and not much of <laughs> my apartment where i actually live because it's, it's not big enough to store all my um cricket kit so yeah, it was, it was absolute mayhem, but it was another sort of roller coaster journey and so much fun to be a part of. And I feel incredibly blessed to be able to experience that. And, and it's a sort of tournament that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Um, I've never been a part of a World Cup squad before, and to be able to play, be involved in one on home soil was was something else. And, and as I said, I'll never forget that.
3: And you were meant to be playing for EMP that weekend, weren't you? Yeah, I was um, listening to play on
4: Sunday. <laughs> um, and I... Gave him, gave him the heads up that I'd be playing for, um, with the Australian squad on the Friday night. I'm not sure if I could duck off from Sydney to to Essendon on the Sunday before we went to Can- or Perth or something where our next port call was. But um, they, they were all so excited for me yeah. and um, my club side's incredible. They've been a huge supporter of mine, and and all the the club followed each game so closely. And a um, few of the old girls f- came out and watched a few of the games and, and traveled around to to watch to watch the Aussie girls. So. Um, yeah, that's been – it was a bit of a weird sort of time of
2: my life, but um, an awesome one nonetheless. Yeah. yeah, and bowling the first ball at the World Cup to Shafali Burma, what's running through your head in that moment? <laughs> Honestly, it's like the countdown
4: time is going and I'm just like, let's fight five, four, three. That's what the crowd's saying and I'm like, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I was very nervous. Um, and I just know how devastating she can be because we played against her in the Aussie stuff just a little while before the World Cup. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just praying that the ball landed remotely <laughs> close up towards the batter's end because I was just running on pure adrenaline, but, um, it was, it was such a buzz at Showgrounds. The, this, it was pretty full, um, it felt like an away game because there was a lot of Indian supporters there and there was a lot of cheering and, and yahooing going on, um, but it was, yeah, it was awesome, an awesome experience and one that I'll never forget. I never thought that I'd pull on an Australian jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, again I hadn't played for two and a half years prior to that that point and I just thought that sort of ship had sailed and that the Aussie stuff was done and dusted and as I said I'd never been involved in a World Cup and all of a sudden I was opening the bowling for Australia in a World Cup I was just it was a bit of a pinch yourself sort of moment so yeah um, it was awesome.
2: And the whole thing was just a whirlwind wasn't it I think you were on a plane every third day through the whole tournament what do you think now looking back on it? Oh, it was, it was such,
4: when you look at, look at, like when you reflect, and we had a bit of downtime, obviously, with COVID and stuff after the World Cup to sort of sit back and reflect, it was just a crazy tournament, like, crazy good, um, <laughs> when I say crazy, but um, I remember we lost that first game against India, and then we went over to, to Perth to play Sri Lanka, and we had our backs against the wall, and it almost looked like at one stage that we're going to go out in straight sets there. Um, which was which was highly nerve-wracking. There was a lot of pressure on the girls to perform well and do well on home soil, which, um, you know, I'm guessing everyone at CA had their fingers crossed that Australia was going to feature at the MCG on the 8th of Feb, but um, we had a really slow start. And then all of a sudden, um, the girls started to get their, their mojo and, and started to play some really good cricket, which all com- uh, culminated at the MCG, where they were just completely dominant. And it was so good to watch... Um, Um, From the sidelines, just watch the girls, you know, go out there and and strut their stuff and and just showcase their skills, which was just phenomenal. And of course, the Victorians and all the the Melbourne folk came to the party and filled up the MCG. um, And that was just a magical day. So, yeah, as I said, the tournament as a whole was a bit of a a bit of a roller coaster with the the, the slow start. And then then slowly building up to that, that final where everything sort of just clicked and it was just almost like the perfect storm. So, yeah, it was really cool.
3: We often think back to that Thursday at the SCG where it was raining the whole day. And like to think that we got from that point to the MCG is just like pretty remarkable. And then you're in COVID as well. Like it's just sometimes you just shake your head. Well,
4: I've, in my summation of the tournament, I actually forgot to talk about the, <laughs> that was the, the mystery at the SCG. Like, how did we actually play <laughs> a game of cricket that day? It was raining <laughs> like cats and it. dogs all day. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is it. When, we're not going to get on tonight and then we saw the game before us get washed out we're like oh this is doomed <laughs> and then the god the cricketing gods and the and mother nature just looked after us for that little moment in time and we're able to get out there and and that was a really really tight game and everyone was biting their nails and it was super close but yeah that's another layer to the narrative that was the world cup um and yeah to get through to the final after after that hard-fought semi just put all the girls in really good stead i think um a really tough semi leading into a final and yeah, it was just, it was just a, a magical time and, and I'm so honoured and, and I feel like I'm really privileged
3: to be a part of that squad and to be able to experience that. Yeah, for sure. And onto the stage. So you've got Katy Perry next to you, full MCG you're looking over at. What was it, what was it like up there? Oh, my God, I got a bit of stage fright. Um, (laughs) Didn't show. (laughs) um, Normally
4: when I'm performing, um, I'm normally performing to about 15 people at Uh, EMP. When we have our social functions and the music comes on, I normally give it my all and I'm like, there's only 15 people here. It's almost like dance like no one's watching because there's only 15 people watching. But then all of a sudden when I get this opportunity that I've probably been waiting for my whole life, um, I see all these cameras and all these people and I'm just like... Oh my god! What do I do? Like, can I dance? Can I? I don't want to step on Katy Perry's toes. Like, has she got a, a routine choreograph for this song? Do I just sit back and clap, or can I go out there and do my thing? Um, and then the adrenaline just sort of took over, and I sort of started to cut some shapes. But um, <laughs> but it was oh, it was amazing. Like, it was you'd actually. There's no words to describe that feeling. Yeah. That sort of adrenaline, of seeing so many faces just watching you and cheering and dancing yeah. and having fun and. It was yeah, yeah, it was it was an absolute ball. Um, yeah, it's Sophie Molyneux, hats off. She was unbelievable, um, and Erin Burns too. Yeah. I reckon they were one and two. Um, but yeah, I think just even looking back at those photos and yeah. just seeing how happy everyone was and. Holy and just to be able to capture that moment, um, those, those photos will age really well. And I can't wait for the reunions in 20 years time when we all ca- we're all we all hanging out and we're flicking through those photos and just being like, oh, look how young and fresh we were then back in the day. Um, but yeah, that was an, a, an awesome experience also.
3: What did you and Soph and Erin say to each other as soon as you got off the stage? Were you just like, what did we just do? I don't think there are any words. We will just like, our jaws are on the
4: ground and we're just like, like, did that just happen or are we just like living a dream? Um, but we definitely took that momentum back into the change rooms um, and continued on the party. Um, And the MCG change rooms were were absolutely humming. We had all our friends and family down there and um, it was just a really nice moment to be able to experience and share that that World Cup win with all our loved ones and our close ones who have all supported us and, and help us get to that stage. So
3: yeah, it was a really special night and yeah, one that I'll never forget. Neither will we. Molly, a story for the ages and thank you so much for joining us on The Scoop and we wish you and the Renegades all the very best for the rest of the season. Thanks, Em. Thanks, LJ. Hey, we are lucky enough to be speaking once again with ABC commentator Kristen Beams. Beamsy, it was an absolute cracker of a weekend. So many highlights and talking points to reflect on,
1: but we're going to ask you to narrow it down to your favourite moment. Oh, that was a, that's a tough question to hit me straight up with. i yeah. um, this is a tough one for me to say, but I actually think my highlight was the derby yesterday between the two Melbourne teams. Obviously, I would have loved to see the Stars get up in that game, but I think it was a really significant game for the Renegades in particular. It had all of the romance. Molly Strano gets her 100th wicket. We saw Lizelle Lee really lighting it up and seeing her back in that opening spot, which I love to see. And and perhaps it was the, the loss the Stars needed to have in terms of I think you do need to lose leading into finals just so you can make sure that you're staying on your toes. So I, I think that game in itself, uh, I think we were all so disappointed when the derby got washed out at the start yeah. of this tournament. So to see a cracking game of cricket, was exactly what we needed leading into the finals.
2: And on Molly, you wrote a lovely column last week about her evolution as a bowler and she's been singing your praises as a mentor. What did it mean for you to see her get that 100th wicket?
1: Yeah, it was really special and I'm sure it was special for most of us that know Molly more so than it was for Molly because I think she's so self-deprecating and and so modest. But I think to, to see someone who's worked that hard actually get the rewards they deserve unfortunately in T20 cricket you, you don't always get the rewards you deserve the you know you can bowl really well and get whacked or you know find yourself out of the team for different reasons but to, to see a player like Molly who just continues to be so important to a franchise the way that she has was just really really special and I, she's got the potential to set a marker out in terms of wickets that no one will get close to and that is that's that would be an amazing achievement for her and and one that she deserves so um, yeah, I was a very proud big sister. That's for sure.
3: I think everybody loved seeing that finger go up and Molly's awesome celebration. Beansy, you've played a few Melbourne derbies yourself. What is it about them that they're always so good?
1: I actually have no idea. Um, I was once asked about the rivalry between the Renegades and the Stars, and said, "Oh, you know, do you really get yourself up for a Melbourne derby?" And I just, <laughs> just laugh, and I was like. No, I have the same level of dislike for every team um, other than your own. And so I never really understood it. But for whatever reason, over time, I think those derbies have been cracking games. And I think, I mean, I'm not really sure on the stats head to head, but the Renegades have actually had it over the stars. Um, I think they get themselves up for, for that game. And that's why I think it was so significant for the Renegades. I think they're at a really important crossroads in this season is it could sort of peter out and float along but they give themselves a chance now to win some more games and start to get some momentum so I think it was really important for them to to get that win and and no doubt it'd be a nice grudge grudge match I'm sure they had a nice beer to enjoy knocking over the stars I'm sure they did and um, one of the standout
2: performances in that game yesterday was young Ella Hayward Taking four wickets, Natziba was her first WBBL wicket. You called her out as someone to watch at the start of the season. Um, what did you enjoy about watching that spell from her?
1: Yeah, she she actually gives the ball really nice flight, and she's she's a great kid. She's got a, a really good confidence level. There's no doubt that, that both franchises would have wanted to sign her. She's that good. So I think the Renegades have done well to sign her and. And probably fortuitously for her with the injury to Georgia Wareham, it's meant that she's been able to play a key role. And I think that's been really important. So for her to give the ball a bit of flight, give it some nice shape, is really a different change-up to to both Strano and Molyneux, who are a bit quicker through the air. Molyneux gets some nice spin as well. So having that slower spin option I think is really, really important. and, And that's why she's been so successful. I think the other bowlers around her are doing a really nice job especially with Tahuhu back, that's, that was massive as well. So I think with a good bowling group like that, Ella Haywood can take a lot of wickets for the Renegades.
3: Definitely very exciting. And another one we're sure you would have enjoyed was the Hurricanes on Saturday. Rachel Priest and Hayley Matthews just put on a show to take out the Sydney Sixers. Um, do you think it sort of speaks to the depth and the, the depth of the competition that the Hurricanes who have been struggling a little bit can come out and just trounce the Sixers like that?
1: Yeah, I think it goes to show that every team on their days has the capacity. And for the Hurricanes, they've had to sort of shift their game plan a little bit. They're very reliant on their top water from a batting point of view. And from a bowling point of view, they need a collective performance from each of their bowlers. And I think that's probably why we're seeing a bit of a difference between the best and their worst at the moment. But for them to put it together against the the Sydney Sixers, I think the the record is something like twelve to one in the in the head to heads. I mean, they just haven't got close to the Sixers over such a long period of time. Yeah. But that innings from Rachel Priest, that's the best I've ever seen her bat, both internationally and domestically. I think she went yeah. through the gears and she really took it to them. And it kind the romance would have been to get a hundred, but. I think she'll take a, a win over the Sydney Sixers any day of the week. Absolutely. And on to the Sixers, they've now lost
2: four matches in a row. What do you think's going wrong for them and what do they need to do to turn it around?
1: Yeah, I think the Sixers are such an interesting team. There's no doubt that they've got all the talent in the world and I think from their point of view, it's just about making the top four. So whatever they need to do to scrap themselves there, I think if they're in the top four, they will be successful enough to win the WBBL and they've had powers in the past. We've, you know, we've had the, the Sixers going vertical and, and they lost some some games in that. I actually think it's just about sort of really taking the game on. I think we haven't seen Healy sort of get going yet. Um, and there's been a little bit more pressure on that middle order to, to make some runs. So, look, I think they're one Elisa Healy power play away from absolutely bouncing back and, and knocking their next team out of the water. So... I'm not sure who they've got next, but it might be a danger sign for that team because I think Healy's really going to step up and and we might see a, a different Sydney Sixers.
3: They've got the Brisbane Heat next. Should be an interesting clash.
1: Ooh, cracker!
3: <laughs> yeah. So onto the Heat. Last time we spoke last week, uh, the Heat were coming off four straight or oh, three straight losses. Now a week later, they've got three wins on the board, and it seems and they've leapt into third spot. It seems like they've timed their run pretty well, and they've hit a really good spot of form.
1: Yeah, I think everyone knew they had the capacity to to play this sort of cricket. And when you've got players in your team that are so dynamic, especially from a batting point of view, I think we've I think we've not seen the best of them at the start of this tournament. But I agree. I think they've really paced it really well. And they've got some players in some really nice touch. And what's probably helping them a lot at the moment has been their bowling group. I think mean, Jess Jonathan's bowling exceptionally well, as is Amelia Kerr. So I think their bowlers are getting the job done and it's making it a little bit easier for their batting group to play The way that they want to play and they're getting some stability up top from Georgia Redmayne and I think that's allowing the more dynamic players to also just sort of take the game on a little bit more so Laura commenced innings the other day was just amazing on a wicket that just looked really difficult to bat on and she just looked just looked like a different pitch and I thought that's that's absolutely what the heat can do. And speaking of the heat, their next two
2: assignments are the Sixers and then the Scorchers, which are massive matches in the context of this season. How do you see those unfolding?
1: Yeah, I think the the Heat Sixers game will be an amazing game to watch. I, I, I'm backing the the Sixers in there. I think I think they'll come back and, and play their best cricket. But probably the the there there is probably going to be the Scorchers and the Heat, who can get over the line there. There's obviously the concern with injury to Sophie Devine, and that might be fairly telling in that game. I, I think. The scorches with Divine are pretty hard to beat, um, especially with Chloe Paparo stepping up and playing a key role as well. So uh, if I'm the heat, I'm, I'm probably hoping Sophie Devine's going to miss that game um, and it'll, it'll set them up beautifully into the top four.
3: Definitely. So heading into the final two weeks, there's so little separating the top seven teams as they all hunt one of those semi-final spots few of the players have been speaking about the sort of mental resilience that will be needed in these final stages. Do you think it's sort of around now that we'll really start to see the difference in those teams that can handle that pressure?
1: I think so and at the back end of any tournament you start to get a bit weary and you know the the losses hurt you a little bit harder and I think it's you know T20 is an up and down game so your ability to sort of cut through it becomes a little more important. So can you bounce back from that, that poor performance and actually come up and show up the next day and, and perform? And it's, for me, that's sort of the really key thing. You're still going to have bad days at the back end of a tournament. Nothing's going to sort of flow along and be really easy. So I think the teams that bounce back really quickly and, and that's why I think the, the next game's vital for the Sixers. I think if we, can, if we can see teams do that, I think you'll come through flying colours. If, if the losses start to really hurt you, I think if you can snowball out, out of the top four and, and end up probably disappointed at the back end of the tournament say, so, oh, if only, um, and you don't want to be in that position.
3: Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how the next week or so unfolds. Beamsy, thank you as always for joining us on The Scoop. Can't wait to watch and speak about it all next week. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Thank you as always for joining us on this week's episode of The Scoop.
2: We've got a huge final six days of the competition coming up. Every team will be playing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday. And at the end of it all, we will know this year's top four. You will not want to miss a
3: moment of this. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news on cricket.com.au and on social media via cricket.com.au channels and the WBBL channels. We'll chat to you next week.
1: Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning.
0: This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner.
2: Johnson strikes again.
1: She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken
2: by Perry. The Australian Women's Cricket Team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG.